0: Well, welcome to Quantum number 185. Um, I'm not sure if you can hear outside, but there's just a massive thunderstorm going on just now. I was hoping to go to the beach, but not anymore. Anyway, Quantum is a podcast that looks at world news and views from a Christian perspective, and this is for Christians and non-Christians alike. I hope that whatever your perspective, you'll find it interesting. I don't expect... Everyone, or even anyone, to agree with everything, but I'm just trying to give you information, a perspective on things, and for you to engage with it. You can write me, you can comment, you can discuss it amongst yourselves. I know families that discuss this, uh, and, you know, that that's the point. Um, and I hope that it's a bit of fun as well. And we're going to start with something that I think is brilliant, and I was just reminded of this. It's a film I saw many years ago, and it had a big in- influence on me because it introduced... Me to phrases like ten four and rubber duck. Um, you recognize this? Arizona, noon on the 7th of June when they highballed over the pass. Bulldog dog Mac with a can on
1: back and a jaguar hauling ass. He's ten on the floor, stroking bore, seat cover starting the game. Now beaver, you a trucking with a rubber duck, and I'm about to pull a plug
0: on your drain. That's from the film Convoy, 1978, Chris Christopherson, Ali McGraw. Um, Of course, I'm playing that to comment just a little bit on the Canadian truckers. There are apparently 500 trucks now stuck in Ottawa, too many for the government to remove. Trudeau is talking about sending in the military. I have to say he's a somewhat horrible character. Am I allowed to say that? He's basically accusing, and the politicians and the political class and the middle classes, to be honest, are accusing him of, or not him, but the truckers of being racist, homophobic, misogynist. Now, I'm sure some are, but the vast majority are not, and apparently up to a million Canadians have cheered them on. And the, the issue here, for those of you who don't know the issue, the issue is that uh, there was a mandate given that truckers who went over to the United States and came back had to be double vaccinated. And 85% of truckers are double vaccinated, but that still leaves 24,000 who could lose their jobs. Now, as I've said before, I'm for vaccines, but I'm opposed to compulsory vaccination. I think it is a basic human right that that doesn't happen. Now, what fascinates me about this as well is that the role that the media play. And there's someone called Ezra Levant, who you you may not agree with, but sometimes comes up with great information. And I I thought a thread that he posted on Twitter was really spot on. In Canada, more than 99% of journalists receive a payment from Justin Trudeau. 99% receive money from Justin Trudeau. He says that there's an illusion of media competition in Canada, but it's an oligopoly... He says that Post Media, the largest recipient of Trudeau's media bailout, owns every English-language daily newspaper in Canada except two, and even then they just run the same wire copy as their competitors. The state broadcaster, CBC, is larger than all other news media combined, and nobody wants to upset the government or CBC, because journalists are concerned about their jobs. There are a lot of structural issues and he says this that there's an obvious lack of diversity in the news and that doesn't we're not talking here about race or sex now we've noticed this this is this is not peculiar to Canada this is the same in many areas of the united states possibly less so but it's also true it's very much the case in the united kingdom and here in australia and the, the lack of diversity is intellectual and class diversity it is it, Basically, the media party, as Levant calls it, is politically and culturally homogenous, urban, woke think alike, And I think that the media could have reported this in a much more balanced way, but they haven't done so because they themselves are part of what I call our cultural elites and their jobs and money depend on that. All right, another aspect of this is an extraordinary story. Again, it's one of those stories that you look at and you go, nah, that just, that can't be right. That must be fake news, but it is right. So GoFundMe, and I'm so glad that I don't use GoFundMe. The CEO of GoFundMe, Tim Canagan, is in enormous trouble. and, And he should be in enormous trouble. Because over 10 million Canadian dollars had been donated through GoFundMe to the Canadian truckers and GoFundMe seized it. GoFundMe froze it and said that they were going to redistribute the money to credible and established, i.e. woke charities. Now, the extraordinary thing about that is just simply this, that, you know, I've given money, well, I haven't, but if I had given money for that purpose, they are morally, and I would have thought legally, obliged to use the money for the purpose for which I give it. They have no right to just take it. That's theft. If you give money to this podcast, for example, and I decide, oh, you know, I'm, I'm going to use it on a holiday, or if you, uh, let's, let's put it another way, you give money to the church for the advancement of the gospel and the church decides that it, it's, it's going to use it um, to fund an atheist society. No, you, you can't do that. So Gof- GoFundMe has of course been accused of theft and attorney generals in Louisiana and West Virginia are beginning to look v- into violations of state law and so they've had to back down a bit. Um, yeah, it's, 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 it's just absolutely incredible. Now speaking of that, speaking of charities and funding, do you recognise this gentleman?
1: Who would ever thought that something like this would happen from from a little family, family joke for to a thousand pounds it's got into this enormous sum and it really is an enormous
0: sum that's Captain Tom Moore who died he was he, he's a, a legend in Britain um, and he's, a charity was set up now this charity received more than a million pounds in donations last year so far they've doled out four grants of £40,000 each. In other words, they've doled out 16% of what they've been given, and they have spent almost 210,000 on fundraising, and uh, a considerable amount on consultants. In fact, the consultants and staff and so on have been paid more than the projects that the charity was set up for. And I think there's a general thing we need to be very careful about here in the church as well. That very often charities are misused in that way, and it's always worthwhile looking. I personally have a principle that I don't give a penny to any charity that pays it any of its staff six-figure more than six-figure salaries. Just don't. All right. Um, let's return to last week's uh, Rogan show. Now I've written an article for it for Christian Today, which should be up by the time this goes out. I found this whole thing utterly fascinating. And, and at one and the same time depressing, the the, the pressure on Joe Rogan is astounding. The pile-on is astounding. And if you actually go and listen to the episode that's in question, I mean, how do you have a guy who does... This doesn't make any sense to me. I mean, this podcast is usually around 30 minutes long. And to me, that seems really long. He does three-hour podcasts. And he does, I think, is is it three per week? and And... and 11 million people listen. That's just the thing that just stuns me. Anyway, there's no question at all that mainstream media are absolutely out to take him down. And uh, there's a super PAC, which is run by some Democrat supporters who are boasting about how they're going to take him down. And that was fascinating to read all about that. But in the course of discussing all this, Russell Brand had this on his um, fascinating channel. And this is, you we, we, see, it's meant to be about false information, misinformation. You know, Joe Rogan should be cancelled because of misinformation. By the way, I suggest you, ris- you listen to the Robert Sloan episode, which is off YouTube but still on Spotify. I would suggest you listen to it because it is utterly fascinating. And uh, maybe I'll write something about it as well. But here is Rachel Maddow, who's one of his competitors. I say competitors. She gets about two million. She's the, the, the darling of the liberal progressives. You know, she's the everything's to blame for, you know, Russia and all that kind of stuff. Well, listen to what she had to say last year.
1: Now we know that the vaccines work well enough that the virus stops with every vaccinated person. A vaccinated person gets exposed to the
0: virus. The virus does not infect them. The virus cannot then use that person to go anywhere else. Can you hear that? That's just absolutely incredible. What did she say? She said, if you get the vaccine, it is absolutely certain, it is proven that you cannot pass on COVID. You can't get COVID. COVID stops with you. And if we all got the vaccine, wouldn't that be wonderful? It's just not true. It's just not true. It is absolutely false information and it's dangerous information. And yet, I don't hear the White House calling for her to be cancelled. I don't hear Harry and Meghan calling for her to be cancelled. I don't hear Neil Young saying she must be cancelled for passing on wrong information. They're just hypocrites. Now, speaking of COVID misinformation, listen to this from uh, the Australian parliament. I think it was the chief medical officer explaining about COVID deaths. As I said, we we report all COVID positive deaths as if they were COVID deaths all deaths uh, in COVID-19 up to and
1: including the 31st of October, so it's not timely, but it is complete, 71.2% of people had a pre-existing chronic condition certified on their, on their death certificate. So almost three quarters of people that died up until that point uh, did have a, have a chronic disease as, as defined. So what, what I can say is the most common comorbidity um, was diabetes and the second most
0: common was obesity and heart disease and lung disease. Chronic lung disease were also
1: high on the list. Now that
0: is really important. 70, almost 75%, it's almost three quarters, of COVID deaths in Australia are of people who have a serious pre-existing condition. In other words, probably what they died from. That's an absolutely massive figure. And that's one of the things that really annoys me about the information we get, because... The mainstream media, ABC, The Australian, and others. I think there's one state in Australia where which doesn't do this, and that's Tasmania. And this happens in the United States. It happens with the BBC. People say, so many people died from COVID. They died of COVID. When they died with COVID. And that is phenomenally important, because we need to know the cause of death. So you can't go around saying COVID has killed X number of million people if three quarter of three quarters of those are people who died from something else. Now that's what I call misinformation. But you don't see Facebook, you don't see Twitter, you don't see the self-appointed guardians of our society saying, oh no, no, this is misinformation. You notice what he said, diabetes, obesity, and heart disease are big factors. By the way, in COVID, uh, there's a huge change occurring right now. France, Greece, Portugal, the latest European nations reducing restrictions, um, following Sweden, Norway, Denmark, the United Kingdom, Ireland, and the Czech Republic. A lot of them are uh, dropping vaccine passports because they're utterly useless. South Korea is about to scrap its, its brilliant, it was at the beginning, test and trace system. Because they just can't cope. And they're expecting to see up to 170,000 daily infections within a month. You need to grasp. COVID is over as a pandemic. It's endemic now. It's a it's an illness like the flu. The vaccines have enormously helped, I think. Although there are issues there as well. Anyway, enough of that. Uh, let's have a little bit of music.
1: Hello. How are you? It's so typical of me to talk about myself, I'm sorry I hope that you will Did you ever make it out of that town where nothing ever happened? It's no secret that the both of us are running out So hello from the other side I must have called a thousand times To tell you I'm sorry For everything that I've done But when I call you Never seem to be home
0: That is Adele, hello I'm just amazed that that's got three billion, three billion, not million, three billion views on on YouTube. I, I have to say, I, I wasn't all that keen on Adele, and yet I've I've actually grown to like her, and I can understand why she's so popular. Um, this was her receiving her award for uh, at uh, the, the Brit Awards, and it's it's uh, you don't longer get male and female, so it's just the best artist. Well, this is what she said.
1: I understand why the name of this award has changed, but I really love being a woman and being a female artist. I do.
0: I do. I love being a woman. Well, it's caused uproar. She's been called a transphobic so-and-so. Well, good for you, Adele. Uh, Hey, listen, there's nothing wrong with being a woman. By the way, I came across this report, which is utterly, for me, utterly bizarre, from the US, where... I think it's Barner who are reporting that 30% of millennials identify as LGBTQ, uh, including about 30% of millennial Christians. Now, the report itself is ridiculous, and Barner, I, I, I don't know what they're up to. But the comment I read in it said that the Kinsey report, which, by the way, is completely discredited and completely nonsense, said it was 10%. Um, The reality is it's between 1% and 2% who identify as exclusively homosexual. A lot of people will say bisexual. So what is going on here? Well, what's going on here is that language meaning sex, it's all so massively confused that people do not know. The question that people were asked, and it was only 600 respondents, was, thinking about your commitments, would you describe yourself as... And so if you were an ally, as they put it, LGBTQ+, plus. well, what's a plus? It can be absolutely anything. You know, we are, we are building or we have bred this generation of people who just don't know. They, they don't know what male and female is. They don't know what a human being is. All right, uh, tell you what. I'm, I'm into old bits of music, as you can guess. Um, this, I mean, Convoy took me back to my youth. This takes me back as well. cars. Now, I remember when the UK government really pushed us to get diesel and I listened. They were low emission and I want to be low emission. And so I bought a diesel car. And I remember it was at this time of year that I went out of the house one time in Shamrock Street in Dundee and it was there was snow all around and I put my car on, and I'd forgotten something, so I left the engine running, went out, went back in. And when I came out the area behind the exhaust of my car was just black. And I thought, wow, that's what I'm pumping into the air. And it turns out that my instinct wasn't entirely wrong because diesel cars were more fuel efficient, but they emitted far greater numbers of other pollutants that damage air quality and health. Well, and that was Gordon Brown, by the way, who really pushed that. Now, let's come on to electric cars. Well, surely they're better for us. That's the big push just now. The Commons Transport Committee last week. Now, this is, I got this information from Bjorn Lomberg, and like most of the stories here, I'll put a link to the article. And I thought this was fascinating. It's going to cost the taxpayer £35 billion to plug the gap created by the switch to electric cars. So there'll be no fuel duty, no vehicle excise duty... And this, this is money that's spent on schools, hospitals, police as well. In Germany, there's a subsidy of around 10,000 euros for a fully electric car. Norway pays this phenomenal sum of, uh, I think it's, it's, it's up to thirty or 40,000 pounds per car as a kind of subsidy. And then there's the issue of who's actually buying the cars. A study by the US National Bureau of Economic Research suggests that almost all electric car subsidies go to the wealthiest 20% for whom the purchase of an extra car is no great sacrifice. 90% of electric car owners also have a fossil fuel vehicle, which they use for longer journeys. In other words, here we are again, and I've said this for so long, another middle class subsidy from the taxpayer for the wealthy. It's no wonder they're so keen on it. Now, and even then, it's not going to help with climate change. Not really. The International Energy Agency, the IEA, estimates that if every nation achieves their ambitious targets on increasing electric car ownership, it will only reduce CO2 emissions by 235 million tonnes this decade. And according to the UN Climate Panel Standard Model, that reduces global temperatures by about 10000ths of a degree Celsius. 0. 0.0001 degree by the end of the century. Personal cars account for just 7% of global emissions. So we are funding the rich for virtue signaling, and we are hammering the poor in terms of of heat and light and and taxes and traveling and everything else. Um, Yeah, my time's gone very quickly. Uh, Let me say just a little bit about the Religious Liberty Bill in Australia. I ask you to pray for that. It is extremely important. Uh, I'll say, say a lot more about it probably next week. Suffice it to say that the government here are in a complete mess about it. The church itself seems very confused. There are some very good communicators on this, not least my friend Steve McAlpine, who I recommend you read on it. But we'll come back to it. But one of the reasons we need this, it is a bill to go against. um, It's not a bill, as the ABC keep reporting, allowing religions to discriminate. It's a bill to prevent us being discriminated against. And in case you wonder why we need it, listen to this from a church in Perth, Australia.
1: So, you know, I've gone to uh, evening mass, uh, 5.45, um, sort of not unusual. Um, just after the gospel, so about halfway through, um, a policeman walks in, straight in up the front, in, in front of the altar. Yeah. I mean, off, off the sanctuary, but off the altar, halted proceedings. Um, yeah, the priest must be a pretty the surprised. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Okay, and then I mean, everyone was pretty surprised. And pretty confronting. Yeah. So, what did he say? Um, we said to everyone, you know, there's there's a there's a report that people aren't wearing masks, um, and I can see here that there are some people not wearing masks. If you're not going to wear a mask, you need to leave. Without any mention of exemptions or anything, one of the parishioners pointed out to him, "What about exemptions?" Um, and he said, "Oh, oh yeah, okay, um, I'll have to see them." And proceeded to check three or four, you know, parishioners' exemptions, and then left. I'm amazed by this. I mean, what did the general? What was the general? So what was the general reaction there? Well, it's just really confronting, to be honest. I mean, you you get a you get a mass to to worship God. You know, how the, the police come and you know stop, stop this. What anyway? It's it's. I can't believe it. So everyone's, everyone's sort of pretty stunned, I suppose.
0: That was unbelievable. Police came in. Now they wouldn't go into, shall I dare I say it, a Labour Party meeting. They came into a mass. They came into a church. And they just stopped it and interrupted it. They didn't even know what the law was. Okay, there there is a certain madness, but sometimes the madness can be quite funny. Listen to this. This is This is how... I, you know, I'm I'm talking about the elites, the woke progressive elites in Canada and in the UK and and in America and here in Australia. Well, here's a version from Australia on the drum. Listen to this.
1: Mate, I'm, I'm just normal white bread, white bread toast. <laughs> um, I don't know that all politicians have that lack of understanding of what workers look like in this country. I think the comment about bread was really in, the, the white bread was really interesting who eats uh, white bread in this country anglo men um i come from a working class background we had brown bread because we were healthy i think that it shows a, a deep lack of understanding as to who works
0: I just I, again, I thought that was spoof. Working class people don't eat white bread. It's only Anglo men. It's only white men who eat white bread. <laughs> oh dear! And this is a woman for whom Anthony Albanese. I mean, this, see, this is what they do here in in, in the Australian press and, and and on the ABC especially. They'll attack Scott Morrison. You're responsible right now. They're saying to him, you're responsible for misogyny and women being attacked. You know, they're making him personally responsible for it. And they attack and attack and attack. And then they say, well, who is Anthony Albanese? Well, apparently he's a man who doesn't eat white bread. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, Scott Morrison doesn't listen to people. Why? Because he doesn't eat white bread. This woman had uh, Anthony Albanese, the opposition leader, as, uh, as her uh, best man at, the, at their wedding. Oh, dear me. Sorry, I, I, again, another old song. I have yeah. to play this.
1: So I'd go home, switch the kitchen light on, put the grill on, Slip a slice under, and have toast, toast. a little piece of toast, toast. Cos there's so much to choose from, there's brown bread, white bread, all sorts of wholemeal bread It comes in friendly packages, with writing on the side, but it doesn't matter which one you have Cos cut the crust off, have it with marmalade, or butter, cheese, tomatoes, beans, banana, or chocolate It'd be strange, it doesn't really matter, oh no, it all goes with toast, a little piece of toast you're going
0: to think about it some. Ah, toast. Uh, and I also have to play this. Uh, there was a soap opera that I listened to for a while back in Scotland for 20 minutes every lunchtime because it was wallpaper for the mind. Um, a bit like Adele, really. No, I sh- sorry, I shouldn't say that. Adele's much more serious. Uh, it was this. Do you recognise this tune?
1: Neighbours. Everybody needs good neighbours. Just a friendly wave each morning Helps to make a better day Neighbors need to get to know each other Next door is only a footstep away
0: that's Neighbours. Um, The reason I mention it, apart from my parents, went to visit the set. um, But Ramsey Street and Scott and Charlene and Des and Daphne and Dr. Carl and Susan and all of the others, after 8,770 episodes, it looks as though it may be coming to an end because Channel 5 in the UK have decided to stop paying for it from the Australian TV network. Well, we'll see. I would miss Neighbours. Um, I got to mention this just very briefly. This is true. The Church of England, sinking, collapsing in so many ways, has now decided that, or hasn't decided, but there's a proposal that they're going to set up uh, Brexit bishops or COVID bishops to, you know, like cabinet ministers to deal with particular issues. No, 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 no. Preach the gospel. And then I know my time has gone, but I could not resist this one. Listen.
1: Five, four, three, two, one, go. You're only supposed to blow the bloody doors off.
0: Yeah, it's the Italian job. It's Michael Caine. And of course... This is the story of the insanity of the Scottish government. Now denying this by the way. They're now denying this although I heard it being discussed in the Scottish Parliament by none the le- no one less than Nicola Sturgeon. They were going to have 300,000 paid to schools to chop off the bottom of doors because doors prevent the air circulating. Why not just get rid of the doors altogether? Uh oh, just yeah. Sorry. I mean th- these are in a sense these are serious things but sometimes you do have to laugh at some of this. But it's not a laughing matter, is it? In so many ways, there's so much trouble in the world, so much difficulty. And in the past week, there are four people, past couple of weeks, there are four people I know who have died. And, you know, it's just, it's just a constant reminder of how fragile we are. And sometimes you do just say, Lord, time for me to go home. Take me home.
1: Don't drop a single end.
0: The Lord probably still has a work for me to do here yet, and I thank you for supporting uh, the, this particular part of it. Uh, please continue to do so through the Podbean fundraiser. I'm going to leave you with Shane and Shane's Almost Home, which is absolutely beautiful. Any comments, please feel free to let me know. Look on the website, uh, my blog, and so on. for. And if you want to pass on information and stuff, I just get so much stuff from you, and I really, really appreciate it. Um, God bless you. And yeah, we're almost home. Let's just keep going. See you next week. Bye. This journey
1: together we're almost home unto that grave. Is setting yonder, we're almost home. Take courage, for this darkness shall break to dawn. Oh, lift your eyes, we're almost.